Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Musings on Life and Medicine. My name is Andrew. I am the host of the podcast, and today we're going to be getting into the very first sections of the book that I'm writing. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, or maybe for those of you who missed last week's episode, I announced that I'll be publishing, or I'm in the midst of writing a book that I will uh, hope to publish in the near future. But in the meantime, what I wanted to do was, as I write this book out, start publishing it for free on Substack. Now, keep in mind that everything that I'm writing in the, the audio version of this, which is essentially the podcast that you're listening to right now, uh, it's a very rough draft. Uh, so it's semi-polished, but what I wanted to do was just to start getting these thoughts out there. And uh, because I do feel like there is benefit in just getting things out into the universe, getting feedback, seeing how people respond. And, uh, you know, that in turn give me, gives me the feedback to know how to maneuver. And, you know, if I need to clarify something or polish something that maybe I didn't see originally. So I wanted to just kind of get this out there. Um, so today we're going to be going into the very first section of that book, uh, which is basically the whole premise behind it is how to live a, a happy but ultimately a fulfilled life as a clinician, as somebody working in medicine. Um, it's my hope that my experience, you know, through my many, many ventures in medicine, you know, um, you know, through that experience, I can hopefully shed some light or at least a new perspective or at least challenge a way of thinking that makes you go, hmm, at least starts to question why you do what you do. And so before we get into that, I also wanted to share a quick update in terms of where we are with my daughter, Chloe, and her diagnosis, her workup in terms of the uh, immune thrombocytopenia that we have going on, slash lupus. <laughs> um, now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, you know, I've, ri I've written extensively and even in previous podcasts discussed extensively in terms of the journey, the medical journey that my wife and I have been going through to really try and figure out what is happening with our daughter. Um, you know, the whole premise behind sharing this is a couple of things. Number one is so that we can hopefully educate some of you who are clinicians in terms of something that isn't all that common. And then also to, to give you a different perspective as to what it is to, you know, for, for me as a patient, as a father, to really go through this um, because... It's one thing to experience it as a clinician practicing medicine. It's another thing to experience it as a patient. And then it's a whole different thing to experience this as a parent of a child who is the patient. And so hopefully this perspective, again, sheds some light, changes perspective, challenges your way of thinking, and hopefully at the end of the day just improves you know, the way you communicate with patients and just improves your overall life. That's really the ultimate goal of all of this is just to try and give you information you take what serves you, discard the rest, apply it to your life, and just become a better person for that. And so very quick update. Um, you know, I've been speaking with Mayo Clinic in terms of, uh, you know, the, with their genetics department, rheumatology department. And so here's where we are with everything. And we're currently getting uh, an immunogenetic workup or an immunology workup over at UCLA as well. And so here's where we are. We are currently, we pulled the trigger to go with whole genome sequencing we kind of weighed the pros and cons between whole exome, whole genome. And although whole exome is a very good test, we opted for whole genome. And I can get into that in another episode if you guys are interested as to why I chose that over whole exome. Because whole genome 
is not necessarily covered by insurance, but whole exome is. And uh, it's a significant difference. So uh, whole, whole exome, we would have paid a couple of hundred dollars to do. And whole genome, we're paying $4,000 out of pocket to, to uh, actually do this, uh, this test for Chloe. It's going to be able to give us the most information, even if the, um, the gap in terms of usefulness is very, very small. And that test will take about three months to come back. They already have a sample from Chloe. And so what we're going to do is now submit our samples, my wife and I, to Mayo Clinic. That process is starting now. In terms of rheumatology, we've opted to, or what we're doing is we're waiting until next month. We're going to be repeating some of these antibodies to see if they continue to decline because, you know, when we, the last time, the last couple of times we've noticed a trend downward in terms of uh, her lupus antibodies. And so it's, it's the hope that either number one, antibodies are fading for unknown reasons, or number two, maybe this was a drug-induced lupus superimposed with immune thrombocytopenia. And now that we've discontinued this drug, the antibodies uh, continue to decline. And so we're going to repeat next month. And, and also in terms of the other labs that we have, you know, in terms of lupus, uh, as far as active disease, those are all normal. And so if we were to say that Chloe has lupus, she doesn't have active disease now, which means we we have some time to make a decision as to what medication we want to ultimately give to help her. So that's kind of where we are. And then on top of that, we're also waiting for the lab results to come back from immunology. So at this point, it's a little bit of a waiting game, um, but that's where we are with Chloe. Not good news, not bad news, and uh, it just is. But uh, otherwise, Chloe is doing well. She's uh, bleeding a little bit more than usual. We actually, she actually just got over a little cold, a viral illness. And, uh, you know, when you get sick, especially somebody with ITP, and it actually suppresses the bone marrow. And so her bone marrow was suppressed even further and her platelet count dropped even further. And we could see that clinically because she started to bleed. And um, she was actually having uh, some nosebleeds that we couldn't stop. And so we had to use for the first time the tranexamic acid that hematology gave us because her nosebleeds wouldn't stop. And it was to the point where she would wake up multiple times in the middle of the night because her nose was just clogged. It was clogged with blood, like clotted blood, dried blood, and she couldn't breathe. And so she'd wake up a couple times at nighttime. We'd have to clean her nose out. And, uh, you know, it would just keep dripping. And so we used the tranexamic acid. She took it. We mixed it with milk. No problems, no side effects. And it actually allowed her to have a good night's sleep. So um, thank goodness for that. So I'll keep you guys updated as we get more lab results back. We have an appointment with rheumatology next week, and we have an appointment with immunology in about a month from now. And so what I want to do right now is get into the very first sections of the book, and uh, which is basically a quick introduction as to who I am, and then also just kind of setting the pace as to what we need to do better. And so for those of you who are unaware, my name is Andrew. I started MedGeeks in 2013, and MedGeeks is an educational company. And I originally started this in 2013 to help students and clinicians advance um, in, in medicine, in the core clinical knowledge aspect. But specifically, I was doing working to do high-yield medicine. Now, when I started PA school at UC Davis, I did this in 2010, and there weren't any quality resources that I could really turn to. Everything was either oversimplified 
or overly complicated. And as soon as I graduated in 2012, I made it my mission to create the best high-yield review on the market to really help students master medicine. I created the resources that honestly I wish that I had in school. And, you know, for those of you who either went to school around that time or before, you know that most of the resources was geared towards medical students. So a lot of our our peer groups, um, we used resources for USMLE and, uh, you know, for medical students studying with the boards. And there was nothing really created for PA students. And so it was, you know, that's what I made. I created the thing that I wish that I had. And simultaneously, I worked full-time in primary care and OB-GYN as a solo provider, right? Talk about learning at an accelerated pace. And the more I practiced, the more I realized how unprepared I was for real-world medicine. Now, I wasn't lacking the medical knowledge per se, but I realized that my program didn't address the nuances of real-life application and the day-to-day realities that come with the practice of medicine in the real world, right? And because I started MedGeeks, I was honestly fortunate enough to have thousands of conversations with practicing PAs, NPs, and really physicians over the many, many years. And everybody that I spoke to, they felt the same way. And after these conversations, I I realized that I wasn't alone. I noticed that many students, many clinicians, myself included at the time, only focused on the disease process, but really neglected everything else because myself included, they don't view it as equally important. And it's not only until they're in practice that every one of us realizes how much of an incomplete picture we really have on how things really work. Because after all, school prepares you to diagnose and manage the hundreds of diseases that you're expected to know once you graduate. And because of this, we only spend our time learning about disease and pharmacotherapy. And don't get me wrong, this is 100% necessary. Medical education is structured this way because you do practice medicine, you do manage disease, and your clinical knowledge is essential. But the problem is that's where it stops. And I found that clinicians struggle to move beyond this approach and they fail to understand there's an underlying problem. Because of this, clinicians fail to address other vital components of their life until they burn out. And my goal, my mission is to help you live a fulfilled life, a life you love so that you're practicing medicine to the best of your abilities. You're doing this because you want to wake up and you want to do this for the rest of your life. Medicine is a profession that you cannot just mail in. You will make mistakes if you don't have the core medical knowledge. You will make mistakes if you are not fully present. You will make mistakes if you burn out. And all of these mistakes are at the expense of another human being's health. You have to take a holistic approach and you have to address every part of your life. Everything is interconnected, whether you realize it or not. And you can't affect one part of your life without affecting another part of your life. Therefore, if we neglect one part of the equation, the clinician, you are at risk of burnout. Burnout in turn leads to medical errors. And as a result, the patient and the clinician both suffer. And because of this, we can't just compartmentalize your professional life and your personal life and have them as two separate silos. They live in unison. Remember, 
You can only help your patients by first helping yourself. Thank you so much. We'll get into the how in the next episode. We're going to start talking about burnout, work-life balance, how to manage, how to think about it all. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.